Welcome to Tell Me About Your Father's Daddy Issues, where we discuss who or what is or isn't our dad in current events and recent pop culture. I'm Matthew Philp. And I'm Elizabeth Thompson. Erin Hosier is off this week, and we are joined by special guest star, comedy writer, resident of Los Angeles, former paper magazine editor, Billy on the Street writer, and co-host of the sexy, unique podcast, Carrie O'Donnell. <gasps> Carrie. <laughs> Hooray. Hey guys. That's so... so... Hi, Biz. Oh my god. So... I love seeing I your face so much. I know. I miss every day you were inch- inches away from me. You guys used to work together. What was the last time you saw each other's faces in a real live thing? I mean, I think the last time I saw you was coming to the paper offices to visit after I had left paper. When you came on my last day. I came on your last day. The day Trump was inaugurated. What a day. That was a great day. And then I moved like a week later. Oh my gosh, you moved to Los Angeles. Do you like LA? Are you an LA LA fan now? I am. How long did that take? Yeah. Honestly, like eight months to really get the city and feel a little settled. Like I, I kept thinking I was coming back to New York for like the first few months. Yeah. I was like, yeah. this is just, it didn't feel, it felt very temporary. But now I... I think especially living here during like COVID and not really leaving the confines of the county. To me, I feel like I've earned my Angelino stripes a little bit. So I feel like very attached to the city now. I always kind of hate LA because I go there and it's just like the opposite of New York. I have this thing where I hate LA. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but everybody says like, oh no, it's the best thing ever. And then I'm like, why did you think it was the best thing ever? And yeah. then they'll tell me a story about how they went to like Angelina Jolie's house because they have like some producer who knows like everyone and that's how they get to these parties. And I'm like, is that why everyone likes yeah, what? LA? I don't know. I feel like just being there alone is kind of weird. Is it hard to permeate? Yeah. I like it because it, it's so strange. Like, it is a very strange city. And, like, New York, when you're in New York, you feel like it's been there for, like, hundreds of years. And L.A. is still kind of new in a way. So it feel it has this, yeah. like, sort of, like, un, untethered energy. And, like, yeah. just weird shit has happened here for yeah. so long. And it was really hard to, to, like, enter, I think. Like, when I first moved here, I had to get used to all the helicopters. Constant helicopters. It always kind of feels like the world's ending a little here. Like, it feels like there's something happening in the city at all times. And, like, no one's really, even more than New York, like, no one's really paying attention. And I didn't have a car for a year, so I was, like, walking everywhere. And in, in New York, it's, like, the thing to walk. Here, it's, like, if you're walking, people are, like, why is that person walking? Yeah, that's, you know? that's like, the big, that's an adjustment, I'm sure. Yeah, and I, like, the first month, my job hadn't paid us yet, so I was strapped for cash and surviving on 7-eleven hot dogs and walking everywhere and i didn't like really know that many people i hadn't met my boyfriend yet so I, the only places i would go to were work rite aid and 7-eleven and i was just like walk in this like two mile radius and i was always like swinging my rite aid bag <laughs> things are v- very weird is it true that like i heard somebody say new yorkers are kind but not nice and people from la are nice but not kind mm. Mm. I don't even know what that means. Nice, but like New Yorkers will be like, "I'll help you, but get the fuck out of my way." Whereas people in LA will be like, "Oh my god, you look so great," and then like trip you over. I think there's truth to that. As someone who used to be in New York, I think New York thinks about LA more than LA thinks about New York. I do think that. (laughs) 
because now because i used to be like fucking hate la like those people and it's like and then you come here and like no one everyone's just in their own worlds here and they're just yeah. kind of like what but there's a lot of things about new york i miss that they can't have here and i do think new york has more of a sense of community than la i think especially during the lockdown like you're already isolated like in new york i always felt like i was in a neighborhood mm-hmm. and in la i don't feel like they have that as much at least in my experience it's everything so spread out everyone's just kind of doing their own thing everyone's in their cars in yeah. new york it feels like when something's happening like everyone kind of bands together i think new yorkers are jealous of better weather <laughs> sunshine all the time fun in the sun better rent yeah more space they're jealous of stone fruits growing in your yard or mm. or citrus jasmine they're jealous of jasmine and that's i'm it. enraged by the lack of jasmine in new york it just enrages <laughs> me but i'm jealous of new york and seasons yes um i miss the subway no you don't you say that I, but you don't i know but i do miss it oh. I have the subway is cool i like the subway you see a lot of amazing stuff on the subway, but I, I would that. take a car over the subway any day. I have, and I wanted to, and actually have thrown up in cabs. So I, <laughs> I wanted to. And you were. <laughs> you how long did you live in a cab? Like how long did you live in a cab? <laughs> he how said long? to throw up in a cab. Oh, I thought you said I wanted oh, to, I and I a... grew up in cabs, and I'm like to throw up in a cab. <laughs> how long? <laughs> that would be funny if someone my babysitter or someone was like a cab driver and i'd like spent my time like not doing homework in the back of a cab i can yeah. see you in like a newsboy cap and like yeah. short pants dressed like a 1930s child even though it yes. was in the 90s having an alice in wonderland tea party in the back yes. sometimes i definitely was getting nostalgic for it during quarantine too yeah i mean i'm from arizona i'm from phoenix yeah, which is so a you... wannabe la but i know the feeling like the city not having any history is phoenix to a t they're like this strip mall is mid-century it's from 1950 yeah. all the signs are the original signs yeah it's really special it's historic and historic sites but then <laughs> But then LA has incredible history too. Like it has like downtown LA, the history of downtown is amazing. Like the whole water situation in LA, all the stuff that was happening in like the thirties. And it's kind of beautiful in that way. LA just was sort of what everyone made it be. Like it wasn't like a- I love that. You know what I mean? Carrie has a a fabulous Twitter account at eCario. Yes. Yes. It's so funny. And he is the father to a fictitious child that recently, um, that went viral when Rush Limbaugh died. I, yeah, I said my child told me about Rush Limbaugh's death by tweeting it into my timeline while I was huffing paint. The fallout of this was epic though. Yeah, apparently CPS was called and the former director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell was tweeting about how the left so's hate early. Um, I was a dad that day. Like, congratulations on that. That's sort of Thank on you. par with being banned by the Catholic Church. Like, re- well done. I gotta Thank say, you. I'm glad that we got. I got to. We get to like do this so I could actually say to you in person how impressed I was by that. So many people tweeted to Carrie that his child must be taken from him immediately. <laughs> and you're like, it's not a real child. <laughs> Just the idea of a four-year-old tweeting something. Tweeting it. That's how you found out because you were in another room having paint. And he was tweeting. You communicate through Twitter with your kid in the and same like, house. I was not only told that my child was going to be taken away. I, I got told, what does your wife think? And then... Fair. Yeah. And then that my child is going to literally shit on my grave. That's <laughs> right. 
Your child is going to <laughs> shit on your grave. My child's going to take a dump on my headstone. Yeah. Um, so that was a good day for me. T- I'm going to take a dump on Rush Limbaugh's headstone. Yeah, me too. Are you guys seeing how the Christian talking head wannabes are jumping on Lil Nas X for being demonic? No, what's going on? It's so great. You've seen the video, right? Yeah, for it's Call Me By Your Name. It's breathtaking. And so he's lap dancing the devil, and then he breaks the devil's neck and like puts the horns on himself. Like it's fu- so the Christians are all like jumping out, saying this is the motivation of the libertine left. But they're obviously trying to sexualize our children. And I'm like, right. do you ever get tired of that like argument? I guess you don't. You're always like hanging on, waiting for somebody to do something so you can bring that up and get a little bit of attention. But so the Christian right is saying Lil Nas X's video encourages kids to be demonic Satan lap dancers. It's actually like, well, now every, all of our suspicions about Hollywood have been confirmed oh. because of Lil Nas X. And he's kind of amazing the way he's been rebutting it. He'll respond and he'll just be like, y'all are just talking, period. Like, yeah, just doesn't. Is this like stuff being said on Fox News or like... On Twitter. They, they and- did that with Cardi B too. Oh, right, after the... And Megan Thee Stallion, and, like, they... Wet-ass pussy dance? Yeah. The Grammy performance, they were, Were like... Were they, like, scissoring, basically. But it was, like, you're thinking about this so much more than these people are thinking about it. It's so much more than a 12-year-old is thinking about it at home. Like, they're thinking that it's cool. They're not thinking about replicating it and even if they are good for them satan's gay lap dancer yeah this week for me felt like a kind of we didn't start the fire week you know like (laughs) yeah shootings presidential press conference jessica walter died the suez canal blockage like lil nas x lap dance the devil yeah the father of all mothers died this week jessica walter so sad she was such a legend and no one can hold a candle to her performance in Arrested Development. Arrested she was yeah. only 80. I know. Yeah. Not, that's like young. That's young. <laughs> she died in her sleep. I hope she wasn't suffering. I hope it wasn't COVID. Right. She was incredible. All the clips that have been resurfacing this week of her talking about her, her favorite child. <laughs> I know. I never cared for Job. <laughs> I also was just reliving her and I think Portia de Rossi, even though she's like speaks for the devil now. Um, <laughs> yeah. That she was incredible as Lindsay, and when they were when they were together, it was like true magic, Mm -hmm. the mom and daughter. Because there was that line she had, and she was like, "Ugh, what do you have to do today? Did nothing cancel?" (laughs) (laughs) And when then she goes, and they go, "Hi, welcome to Klimpies. Find your own table." And then she turns to Lindsay and goes, "This does not bode well. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have the Ike and Tina tuna." Plate or platter. I don't know what that is, and I won't respond to it. <laughs> yeah, one of the greats. It's always sad when one of those, like, women, like Elaine Stritch, you know, like, where they stretch back to it. They've traversed different mm-hmm. cultural generations, and they survive, too, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's always something kind of particularly extraordinary. And speaking of daddy issues, that article that came out just a few years ago where she was talking about how much Jeffrey Tambor abused her on set, like mm-hmm. mentally and, and being gaslit by like Jason Bateman and all the men totally. on the show. Like 
insane. Was it a variety round table or Hollywood Reporter yeah. where they're like, she starts crying and I would have too out of frustration where they're like, that wasn't that bad or what does he say to her? This is the industry or... It's like, this is how it is in the show business. Ugh, gross. Yeah, he lost major points after that for me. I know. Even though I yeah. watched Ozarks. I love Ozark. <sighs> it's very good. Even though I, he's really sexy. Yeah. He's so hot, and he doesn't age. I know. He's like, he's forever 37. I just want to know where Justine Bateman is. She wrote a book or something. Okay, I'm glad. As long as she's not dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, as we all know, tomorrow is the 80th anniversary of Virginia Woolf's suicide. You know, like, right. so many things all crammed into a few days. Yeah. What are you guys... Uh, Carrie, I mean, I have to say, you were the one who brought this up on Twitter, and you brought this to my attention. I just wanted to check in with you. How are you dealing with the 80th anniversary of Virginia Woolf's suicide? <laughs> of Jenny walking into the river with stones in her pocket. Well, I feel good. It's actually my anniversary with my boyfriend tomorrow. Is that so a coincidence? or not until last night i didn't know i was like wow what a configuration and every year i'll be like our love is tied forever to virginia wolf stepping into the creek and yeah as nicole as kidman and Kid- wearing a specifically fake as nicole kidman i love how they're like these gorgeous but also like supremely talented women actors like Charlize and the Halle Berry. They're like, you can win an Oscar, but you have to look like shit. Yeah, yeah. I think Charlize Theron was like obsessed with that. Like I think she she actually felt cursed by her own beauty. I agree with you. Constantly going, no, I can get in monster. Like I can Mm. look grotesque. I do this effortless haute couture for Dior Shore. Mm. Like way she lets her like kid or whatever niece like do her makeup and then she puts a picture of it on Instagram. Yeah, she's like, I... I'm going to malt and, yeah. you know, embody, literally, like, channel Aileen yeah. because I'm I'm so beautiful and it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And the Hollywood and, Holly, and the Academy is mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're fucking right. How dare you be so talented and accomplished and also attractive? Yeah, it's outrageous. And then men are like, they're like, great. You know, my favorite part of Monster is when Eileen pulls over with one of her victims and they're about to have sex and he says, will you call me daddy? And she looks at him and goes, do you fuck your kids? I was like, Such a good I line. screamed in the theater. I was in college when I saw it. That scene is not captured. It's nowhere on the internet. Why is it that canon? That is an incredible line about call me daddy culture as well it's a good question my favorite part of monster is when christina ricci's has a tantrum because they're living in a motel and all their money and she goes i thought we were gonna party yeah you said we were gonna party 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 (laughs) we're not partying it's not fun (laughs) (laughs) and he's like baby i'm sorry her crying yeah. I-, I promise. I'll get you. Oh, God. It's so tragic. Crying in that scene. I can picture it exactly. Her arm is in a cast. She was a real underrated part of that movie. She really was. You guys, I want to tell you something very, very important. What? Okay. And that is, we're going to move into who our dads were and were not in the last week or so. Mm. Um, I just want to tell you, particularly, Carrie, for you, for those of our guests who haven't done this before... If we decide something or someone is our dad, it means we think that it or they have recently shown big boss energy tempered by compassion, intelligence, and or vulnerability. And if someone or something isn't our dad, it means that that person or thing has recently been infuriating, tragic, cruel, or just a massive 
disappointment. I should mm. also add really quickly, if you'd like to support this podcast, head to patreon.com slash tellmeaboutyourfather, where for as little as $3 a month, you can access bonus dad content and other fun extras. Yes, so, yes ma'am. Wow. Indeed. Yes, ma'am. Guess what? Guess what? We have a special Bad Dads bonus episode on Patreon coming out soon, dedicated to the one and only Thoughtless Pig, Alec Baldwin, everybody. <laughs> Did you say Thoughtless or was it Rude Little? Thoughtless Rude Little, comma. Pig was in there, yeah. And then, of course, like, Bill Maher jumps on and says, no, 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 she probably was a Thoughtless Rude Pig, it's fine. I hate Bill Maher. love that. I love how Bill Maher does that, it's so great. The true... Pig King, Bill Maher. True yeah. Pig King. Let's get into who our dads are not right okay. now. Okay, all right. Carrie, who have you got for us? Tell us what you got. I have two. Mm. I have a thing and a person. Okay. So I have thing, not that they've never not disappointed, but just extra bad this week, the LAPD Hell helicopter yeah. unit. There was a hot mic leak because... There's police helicopters. We have, like, the largest air fleet in the country. Mm. There's just constant monitoring. It's, like, really freaky. There was a video of a few police helicopters over some kind of protest or something, and they were caught on tape joking about pouring gasoline on the civilians below and lighting a match. Um, And I think just after everything, like, last year and just seeing firsthand, like, how the police were brutalizing people, exercising their right of free speech and right to protest, it just made it, I was like, really? Like, after all this, they're just continuing to be Like, there hasn't been an email that's gone out saying, don't fuck things up. No, they don't, they really don't care. Yeah. But that was like, that was, I mean, I'm not shocked, but I was like, just the cruelty. And my boyfriend said, they act like they're all playing Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. yeah. Like, and it's just, they're just so, it's beyond callous and very not dad vibes. It is. It's so beyond was... callous. And I think policing in general is a, a rotten, racist institution, as we know. It is. It's the perfect fodder for this episode because it's full of misplaced male rage, in my opinion. Like, I think Agreed. a lot of this could be solved if they went to scream therapy and men's only Al-Anon. You are always trying to get us to do scream therapy. And I love that. But I just feel I've... like, no, I don't want to <laughs> the, even get in the way. The of it. They need to go to the class with Taryn Tooney. They need to yeah. go to the class. <laughs> and also, they need to just figure out what they're so afraid of and what they're so angry about. You know? But it's like immaturity, too. Like, remember when the insurrection and you just, mm. like, you look at the footage of those dudes and they walk in and they're just, like, so convinced that they're the, the, the superhero or the, like, action hero in the middle of a movie. Who are you doing this for? Do you understand this is real life? It's a bunch of white men who think they're the main character, but they're actually the background extras. That's but so they truly true. believe, you can see it in their face, they're like, no, I am the center of this whole thing. That Works. horrible video of the first night of protests in New York after George Floyd was murdered, and you see cops pushing people so hard this one woman that video went viral of a police officer pushing a woman with such force that her shoe flies off of her you know it's like, and like wizard of oz i know yeah. and it's that you know you get oz, these yeah. weird stupid updates like a year later that are like you know after an independent investigation it has been determined that the nypd acted with excessive force like no shit what are you gonna do about it 
Like, when or are you going to stop? It's like on camera, and they go, nope, we didn't find anything. Everything's <laughs> I mean, fine. I was in Union Square when I lived in New York once, and this was like six years, seven years ago, and I, I saw two NYPD officers storming after someone, and they walked past me and literally plowed into a woman and di- knocked her over, and they didn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like this middle-aged woman that got not and like very small and got knocked over and like me and a few people helped her up and I remember like tweeting at the precinct of that and being like you need to investigate like you know what am I going to do but just <laughs> well, there's that kind of ACLU app so where you, you just install it on your phone and you you click you you tap it open and it quickly starts filming and as soon as you stop filming it uploads it and gives it to the ACLU. Like there's a, th- I found that that was kind of cool. That's great. None of them um, wear they're... masks here, at least. None, None of them the wear masks. Here won't wear masks. And they mm. provoke. And they provoke. They really do. Like, yeah, yeah, because that's your last option to get people to back up is to drive a car into them, and they injured people too. That's insane. I remember seeing that video. I saw we were in Santa Monica and during a protest and they rammed over a trash can or something on the sidewalk ran onto the sidewalk ran, and then stopped it and went get the fuck out of the way <laughs> and like and everyone just was and that's gonna people are gonna react to that it, yeah. your boyfriend's so right that it is like video game fantasy that's exactly for right them, yeah. and they're like it listening is. to like let the bodies hit the floor let the body yeah. Get down with the sickness. And then at the end of the They're shift, it's like, oh, now I'll just save the game and turn it off. That's yeah, yeah. but it's like, except, I killed, except I killed someone and ruined a family and brought grief in immeasurable ways to thousands of yeah. people. Um, who's your other, not your dad? Um, Cody Brown from Sister Wives. Okay. Tell us what's going on with Big Cody. Well, I'm I'm revisiting it for the first time since like 2012 and obviously a lot of there's been now like 15 seasons. I'm I'm on season 6, but I've been reading and watching stuff from the recent seasons and interviews with the sister wives and like how they're dealing with COVID and just this week there was some article. Matt, I think you mentioned it. I read that article too where Mary, who was the first wife, the original wife has now been demoted to the basement wife yeah she, yeah they, they call her the he, basement wife well one of them talked about when they used to live in a house in utah that was like they all lived in one house and they all had their own like apartment units in the same house and one of the youngest wife or the third wife lived in the basement unit the ground level and she always referred to herself as the basement wife oh, and she said that's not where you want to be and then they bring in another a fourth wife robin who's like 30 and thin and has brown hair they all have blonde hair and she's like really like i just i just want to fit in and then she is of course his favorite and eventually mary and him get divorced (gasps) so she can he can legally adopt his fourth wife's kids and so mary goes from first wife to basement wife okay so when they get divorced what because i was reading a little bit about it is that like spirit like but they're still spiritually married they're still spiritually married but Mary was the legal wife of the Brown family, so she was, like, the actual wife that he, like, legally married, and the rest are spiritual, but Robin, in order for her kids to be adopted by him, needed to be his legal wife, but I think there's a little more than that going on, Mm. so he, she basically, so Mary is now the basement wife, she was musing that if she ever got COVID and got really sick, Cody would leave her to die, Yeah, and, um another 
the third wife, Christine, was talking about how Cody never took showers in her in her house, and she felt really offended by that because he didn't. She was like, "Why don't you shower at everyone else's house but mine?" And I'm offended by it. He's and he such was a like, he's such an amazing. Why did he not? Did did you him. have any idea of why not? Why not shower there? I don't know. Just to be withholding and weird. I think so. And there was a recent episode where they go to couples therapy, like together in Sedona for this retreat. <gasps> and they have this really great therapist who's this older woman. And, and she at one point goes, Cody, do you realize that you're putting down your first wife? And that you've done that like repeatedly in this one session? And then he shuts down from that and makes the other wives shut down. Because he's like, well, I don't, she's being aggressive. Like he ends right. the session. He well, he basically like sets the mood. Like we can't trust this woman. Whoa! And that it's like, is so. So I just think ugh. he's and he does. He has seventeen kids, and I'm sorry, you can't. If you have four different families, you can't. Yeah. Give your kids. There's no way you're gonna be present or give seventeen kids like the kind of fatherly relationship they need. But also, like so I, it's a show. He's getting paid now totally what, they're millionaires life and he was talking about that he was like being interviewed by people and he was like um, she goes how long do you think you're gonna keep this on and going and he's like well as long as america the the american people sorry as long as the american people keep watching like he's running for president or something but um <laughs> he's also kind of he, he's also amazing in the way that he spoke about mary and they said to him you know, Mary said this, you'd probably leave her to die. And he's like, I mean, no. I mean, if someone in my family gets sick, I mean, if she got sick, I mean, I'd I'd have to go. Like, it was like, ugh, I'd have to do it. God, well, she says that, but I'd, I'd go because I have to. It's really complicated because she only was able to have one kid. And yeah. she's the first wife. And she, I think, felt obviously like sort of less than because the other wives were able to produce like multiple, like six or seven kids each. And she felt her worth was tied in like procreating and so she was like when her daughter went to college she was like i feel i don't know what my use is to the family anymore and i think cody kind of encouraged like, didn't, that. he yeah. endorsed that he didn't do much to like assuage yeah. her fears he assuaged her down to the basement is what he did and at one point she's like i want to I, I i'm agreeing to consider in vitro ivf she's like in her 40s but she's like, I'm willing to start. And he goes, you know, if it's not from God, I don't think it's, I mean, I'll always, Ugh. you know, I'll, I'll consider it my child, but it's really going to be yours. Nobody stop him. He's marketable. I was like, wow. 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 So. Also, he has had so many fillers put in his face. Clearly. And his hair. His hair. He looks like someone took a baby doll, like plastic baby doll face and took it off the doll and then put it on his face and then put it's it in the microwave call. for like 20 seconds yeah just like a doll face resting oh my God, gently over so... his face and he took like mop like mop strings and just like replace yeah. his hair with them yeah <laughs> he has mop hair he does <laughs> so that's my that's my human not dad Thank you. I mean, that was beautiful. Uh, that's like Perfect. deeply yeah, worthy piece of shit. This is not, we're not, I'm not like reaching further than we've gone over the past couple of weeks, but the British monarchy is not my dad once again. Because, once again, everybody. But in a, in a very once again. specific way, because <laughs> you know how like the, it was reported that the queen is in discussions to hire a diversity czar at Buckingham Palace? Oh my God, yeah. 
I love this because they, they they came out and they said, you know, more needs to be done after the Oprah interview. They spent two what? days in a war room and they came out with the same response as like every other legacy corporation where they just hire a symbolic person to come in and just like kind of fix it. I just love the idea of hiring a czar, like the queens, like, oh yes, the Russians, I haven't seen them in quite a long time, right? Because you had them all killed. <laughs> it's also not what we're talking about, Your Majesty, but... um. They were get, so they're doing so Buckingham Palace, <laughs> Clarence House, Kensington Palace. They're undertaking like listen and learn exercises. What astonishes me about this is that like, why isn't it clear that Meghan Markle was your diversity czar and you basically almost killed her and then she fled the country? Like you had one, you had one, and you fucked her off. And the royal wedding was like great because it was like, oh look, people of all races. Like yeah, you know, she's, that's a good. It's point. just like this step forward for them but then yeah there was like a black choir yeah it was, it was great it was, it was i mean as far as a royal wedding ra- it felt radical for a royal you know yeah and, and i thought it was so genius mm-hmm. when i mean if you look at it from a marketing perspective it's like oh great yes you have a mixed race woman who was divorced you have even if you move them to north america that's like sending a branch of the brand out to north america where people are fascinated by this like this is so smart. And then, of course, they can't get out of their own way. But it's so crazy because it's like they're, like, really concerned. But, like, if you think about it, like, the royal family, what are the brand pillars of the royal family? There's bullying, there's denying that you're bullying, and then there's, like, jewelry and, like, theater. That's it. There's no Stolen other... Stolen jewelry from other cultures. Stolen jewelry, yeah. As part of the bullying. That's how they Probably kind genocided. Of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like... My question was, did they... Why didn't they do this... Like, they're just doing this now? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, why are they even announcing that? Like, that's well, so shameful it's, and, like, embarrassing. It's, it's so, so lame. Is this an obvious response to the Oprah interview? Is this what they're doing? It, this is entirely about well, that. Well, I think it's, it's a really good point, that. Matt, that they did have a diversity czar in Megan. They had uh, one. Because it's about, like... Her doing the work not symbolically just installing someone in hr who's not going to do anything no they like, had someone who was like a senior royal who was an american and before she met harry was like you know advocating for women's rights in like third world countries and like menstruation rights like she was cool and like really did some cool shit and and knew how to talk and be engaging. Unlike Kate Middleton, who was like this weird doll who can't read, you know, just like super, she's like a terrible actor. But who... Yeah, they had an actress. Yeah, yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. Megan was like a really compelling performer. Mm-hmm. And Kate is like stammering through. She has the I charisma know. of like a telephone pole. Yeah. <laughs> so they write them out she does have telephone pole energy. She has telephone for sure. pole energy. Yeah. And I kind of feel bad for Kate because, like, in some ways, because she, like, has been probably broken the years and broken down and, mm-hmm. and like, divided and distilled into this, like, Stepford wife kind yeah. of. But because they didn't want another Diana. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, she she knew what she was getting into. How shocked are we that Philip is still living? Well, there's no evidence he is. I feel like he's been dead for 15 or 20 years. They're just weakened at Bernie-zing him. They have been. <laughs> Carrie, my favorite thing you do on Twitter is when you tweet about people being in hospital. I've <laughs> been in the hospital. He's in hospital. I just love in hospital. I know it's like... Ghislaine Maxwell is in hospital. Ghislaine Maxwell. I'm in hospital. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I I just you guys don't say that. I'm used to hearing people say, "Oh, she's in hospital right now." Yeah, we say like the hospital, 
Yeah. You say the in. hospital. And I think it's I hospital. think it's more efficient. It's sort of a bit Latin in a way. It is. She is in hospital. In hospital. Yeah. And I love like when Donald Trump went to got COVID, I was like, Donald Trump is in hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Prince, Prince Philip is in hospital at all times. Prince Philip is definitely in hospital. Hospice vibes. Remember when he was still driving and like smashing into people? Ruining, destroying world. people and then getting furious that they were hurt by him? The queen, he, he didn't kill anyone, right? He drove into like a pole or like a guardrail. Yeah, yeah. Or a woman. <laughs> and a woman. Or a woman. And, a, and like a, a cow on their... On their... Yeah, yeah. He's so enraged by the mere... He's so enraged by existence. I was looking him up and people... Like, there was some nice memory of him I found on some YouTube video where Princess Anne is, like, telling how he's such a great storyteller as a kid. I'm like, oh, look at this. Princess Anne, she's pretty pragmatic. She's saying, oh, he was a great father. He read his stories. It was very special. And then they cut to an interview with him and he says... They're just handing him this. They're just handing him this nice anecdote. This, This man is like... So... Princess Anne, the Princess Royal, was recalling that you were so so good at telling stories, and, and she recalls that as such a lovely father memory. He's like, "Am I? Did I? I don't remember that. Oh, no." But it was like he, he just can't he can't do it. It's just like he's so angry about every single question. Like he, the the guy goes, "Would I mean? Did was that something you thought about being a father, being a present father?" And he's like, "I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you have children? No. I mean, I I suppose." I suppose it's like, can't, do you want to not do this? They, they're so, they can't handle any kind of like emotion and, and like gushing. Like they, it's everything is yeah, so, and yeah. that's why like someone like Megan or Diana, who seem really like naturally like empathetic and like drawn to people and like sense and, and Harry, it seems probably can't yeah, make yeah. it. Cause well, it's like when Prince Charles and Diana were engaged. Or like, he's like, "So you're mad? You must be madly in love with it." And he's like, "Whatever love is." Yeah, it's yeah. like, "Fuck you." Whoa, that whatever. was a pretty good Charles too. Whatever like, love that is. That was a great Charles. It's like, can you imagine saying that? Whatever love is. It's so how de- how devastated you would be if you were Diana standing there. I would like to him say that, having to smile yeah. through it. I would KMS like there on live TV. <laughs> I would like I would set myself on fire yeah. right there. I would disassociate. And go cry in a bathroom, which I think is what Diana did through most of her life. Yeah. For 10 or 15 Aww. years. That's it. And eating frosting. Yeah. <laughs> eating frosting. Poor baby. And then vomiting it up. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> God. Anyway, so the monarchy diversities are. Uh, Biz, who have you got? Well, speaking of puke, my Not My Dad this week is my number one comedy arch nemesis, Jay Leno. Ugh. Who we'd all forgotten about. Not me. I saw him driving in his car in Burbank last month. Was it yeah. like a Model T with mm-hmm. like lights on it? Yeah. He can drive <laughs> that Model T off a cliff as far as I'm concerned. He was driving by the Forest Lawn Cemetery. Oh. He was just, did he just wave? Do you think he, does he want mm. people to like honk and wave? I think so. Cause I tweeted about it and like dozens of people were like, oh yeah, that's his thing he drives by the They're cemetery in burbank in different cars no, he, <laughs> he just he just likes driving around burbank in his 
souped up cars so everyone's like oh there's Jay Leno when, that's, wait well, but hang on because how yeah. long has he been your nemesis for, how long forever. has he been your nemesis my personal nemesis since childhood because we were a David Letterman household and I remember really clearly thinking like one of my first like oh I understand why this is funny moments was when you know Leno and Letterman hated each other blah 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 and like David Letterman is problematic with a capital P don't get me wrong but Jay Leno really was a piece of shit to to Dave and Jay Leno put a huge billboard outside of David Letterman's uh, studio in the city that said number one in late <sighs> night and Dave's show was number two in the ratings at that point so Dave put a billboard that <laughs> said number two right underneath it and I always thought that was really funny <laughs> But yeah, since childhood and anytime I ended up having to watch Leno, I thought his jokes were really lame. And cruel. And cruel. And this week, uh, after 10 years of trying to engage him, a watchdog group called the Media Action Network for Asian Americans released a joint statement with him that basically was him apologizing, if you want to call it that, for years of racist jokes about the Asian American community, which we're talking about a lot in the news right now because of the horrible murders that happened at the spot in Atlanta two weeks ago. Um, and just the idea, too, that like like jokes against the Asian community or jokes about Asian people have long been a pretty sanctioned form of racism. Um, so... He releases a statement with this watchdog group, which I kind of like to think that they were like, okay, like, you get to plug in your apology here. And then he did. And they were like, okay, are you sure that this is your apology? And he was like, yeah, this is my apology. He makes, like, all the mistakes. It's like, where the fuck are your people to help you craft something? He says that he genuinely thought them to be harmless, but now hopes for forgiveness. So you start out with saying, like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with them. Then he goes into saying that he told the jokes despite outcry and despite pressure from these watchdog groups while he was still hosting The Tonight Show because he felt like, quote, there's always some group that's always complaining about something, so don't worry about it. Then he says, too many times I sided with the latter, even when in my heart I knew it was wrong. That is why I'm issuing this apology. Uh, Then he really fucks it up by saying that I don't consider this particular case to be another example of cancel culture, but a legitimate wrong that was done on my part. So I feel like this has all of the bells and whistles of a non-apology and also classic, you know, it's a phrase that gets used almost every episode of (laughs) this show, which is gaslighting. He says that he thought that what he was doing was harmless. It wasn't a big deal. And then he says, too many times I knew that in my heart what I was doing was wrong. Okay. Well, it's also like, okay. he's, you're so right. He's putting it, he's like, I'm sorry you took it too seriously. Like he's totally. He's like, this is all because you couldn't hang. I, ge- I genuinely thought it was, you know, that these were harmless jokes and people are always upset about something. And you know what? I'm going to apologize because I actually always knew, even though I genuinely thought it was funny, that what I was doing was fucking wrong. So he just undid the first half of the stupid non apology that he issued by saying that. Then at the end of it, saying the thing about cancel culture 
that this is actually a legitimate case where someone needs to apologize. I mean, nothing gets me crazier right. than the as opposed to every cancel other culture yeah. talk, especially just around the idea that like cancel culture is actually something that's real. Because like I can think of maybe like Harvey Weinstein as like someone that's life is pretty much over, but he'll probably in like twenty years like release a movie from house arrest or yeah. something. Like these people still have people that love them. They still, you know, go to sleep at night in a bed. A um, nice, a big bed. In a big bed. Yeah. Um, yeah it, you it, know. They still have untouchable millions they of dollars. They still have untouchable millions of dollars, and they generally can keep their careers going. Look at Woody Allen. So, you know, I just, Jay Leno, that's not an apology. And I do specifically want to say that Jay Leno's brand of, like, shitty, boring comedy that's so lazy is, like, the pipeline to, like, the man show and Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel. So, Jay Leno, you're not my dad for that reason, for being the pipeline to man show. And that's it. My God. Well, my my question is, like, why even mention... Just say, I'm sorry. Like, don't... Just say, I'm sorry. I genuinely thought it was funny. Because it's, like, to me, that feels like a dog whistle to people to be, like... Come on, it was funny. Yeah. It's, it's funny to say like, that Asian people eat dogs. The real like, head, isn't that funny? Yeah, like it's the funny. The real heads know that, about this. And you're like, yeah. You're just... In my heart, I, the reason that I did it is because I genuinely thought it was funny, even though in my heart at the time I knew it was wrong. Totally. Like, talk about that. What part are of you it. doing? Like, that part of it is the part that's like, what is even, what are you even saying here? Do you know who did a really good version of this? an actual apology that I thought was really well done. Jason Alexander, he made some kind of like kind of homophobic uh, comment about cricket, the game. And then he went on, he wrote this statement and he said, here's what I realized about this. When I said this, it makes this very clear point and statement to people who are gay that x y and z you know and he's like i didn't realize that connection was being made but it is and i have to take responsibility for that so i apologize for mm-hmm. that i it was a blind a blind spot for me and i have to do better than i don't know it just like worked he took apart his own behavior and went here are the places i failed and i have to do better you know like it wasn't he just spent a lot of time thinking yeah. about it mm-hmm. and actually talking yeah, about gonna, it. I, I mean, obviously in the last year we've seen so many like notes app apologies from like comedians <laughs> and it's like, I think what they all get wrong in these apologies is like, look, every apology is going to, you're not going to please everyone. Someone's going to always, right. and that's, it's just the way it goes, but they always ju- try to justify their behavior or explain the yeah. context. And it's like, no one gives a shit. So like, what Jason Alexander did like that's he's breaking down instead of justifying it being like this is what I did like what you just said like that I think is actually Mm -hmm. a good way to do it because you're in a sense you are explaining yourself and you're explaining Mm -hmm. you're explaining why you understand it's and it's like you're showing accountability instead of being like I was young you know I was only 20 when it happened like I've changed it's like shut up this isn't about you right stop making it about you make it about the people you affected and it's right. like no yes. one seems to get that yeah. just like have somebody just like get in the way and stop them from doing it at the very mm-hmm. least yeah so anyway anyways. well done everyone mm-hmm. identifying who our dads were not LAPD yep. 
guy. I want to call him Cody Gar- Brown from Sister him, Wives. Guy, Kirby. some guy Kirby on Brown. TV. I wanted, I wanted to yeah. call him Kirby. Kirby, Kirby Brown. Yeah. Kirby. Kirby Brown. Kirby. The Queen and Jay Jay Cemetery Leno. Ugh, Jay Mausoleum Leno. Kick, let's. <laughs> Do you think he's that he's like get... I know my soul's in there somewhere yeah. Okay, so let's move on to Who were our dads If we decide something or someone is our dad It means we think that they have been They've recently shown big boss energy Tempered by compassion, intelligence And or vulnerability mm-hmm. So Biz, who did that for you? Okay, Who's been doing that for you well recently? here's the thing you guys My pick this week is Orlando Bloom Wow um, Because what's that thing called is it called the horseshoe theory where you realize like the two things that you think were really different are really alike the whole time is it like a political it's like a political theory i feel like it's a real thing Mm. but also could be like one of those things that's actually from like the movie final destination (laughs) then you end up being like you know it's the horseshoe theory yeah well i started out by thinking orlando bloom was not going to be my dad this week for the cringe interview that he gave to the Times of London in which he talked about like his very charmed life with Katy Perry, particularly that he (laughs) starts his day by quote, eye gazing with their daughter, Daisy Dove. Eye gazing -gazing. for 30 minutes, eye gazing. And oh, you then, know eye gazing. And then also that he spends his free time, free time quote, dreaming about roles for women and minorities. Um, and it was just like so cringe. So I was like, he's definitely not my dad. But the more that I read the interview, the more I realized that he's actually a, seems like a very dorky L.A enlightened person that's maybe trying to be a good dad i read up on his background he didn't know who his real dad was until he was 13 years old he has a son with miranda kerr he's basically said in prior interviews that you know his son comes first even if Katy perry doesn't like it like there's actually like a crazy quote from him that's like my priorities are my son my dogs and my fiance (laughs) <laughs> wow so she kicks which is fucked up and if, if it was a different day i probably still would have i probably would have been like that's enough to say he's not my dad but just it's just for the purpose hits, of like flipping the coin a little bit i think that he means well and who can forget the uh naked beach photos where you could see the shadow right. of his dick his on Katy Perry. Yeah. But I, I wanted to hate him, and I think he's actually a nice guy. And, and I will say, too, I also appreciate the fact that he once hit Justin Bieber at a club in Ibiza while, <laughs> while his friends cheered him on. <laughs> because he needed to be hit. I think he did. I think he, he still needed needs to be, to be hit, hit in that moment. Because he, does, he made yeah. some comment about, I think, Selena Gomez and somebody else. And Orlando said, enough. And he hit him. Just like a, um, a nice British lad. He's just like a, a British guy that's like maybe like not that smart. Sorry, and like you know, LA enlightened into eye gazing, and I appreciate that. And so you could do worse than Orlando that. Bloom yes, is my dad this week for being unapologetically lame in this interview. Can you just be- can we just that's very stop sweet. for a minute and just think that there is a boy out there whose stepmother is Katy Perry. I 
know. Yeah. Whose mother is Miranda and Kerr. Whose mother is Miranda and Kerr and whose stepmother is and Katy who's, Perry. And whose, and whose stepfather is the founder of Snapchat. And whose stepfather, it's a <laughs> wild, I mean, good for him. Oh my he's goodness. got a lot, he's got a lot of options. Yeah. It's like his DNA is 2009 in a blender. Yeah. 2010. When did Snapchat come out? Later. 2014 that, or something? He's going to have, he has billion. his dad has billions of dollars. And Miranda Kerr has like yeah. a shit ton of money from her. Yeah. I found some interview with him too where he's like, you know, Katie, how's Katie adjusting to being a stepmom? Or how, what kind of a, a stepmom is she to your son? And he's like, well, she's learning that she can't always be the most important person in the room. <laughs> that was his <laughs> And I was like, okay. Like he's showing up for his son. He's saying when my nine-year-old or 11-year-old or however old kid the kid is now is in the room, you are not the center of attention attention and i think that that shows That's that good. he is taking parenting seriously more celebrities need to hear that are katie cats gonna yeah. come after us for this are episode? there any <laughs> come on i just love that you had such an, an evolution on this i do too i, really did. I started you, out I like, with him my as my part. as not my dad i started out by thinking yeah. he was being infuriating and insufferable and I've come to say, you know what? I need to I need to turn my frown upside down on Orlando Bloom. Yeah. You really did evolve on this issue mm-hmm. and you've come through the other side I did. and you're and developed I'm, I'm as better a person for more it. Now. I'm better for it too. I don't want to hate yeah. Orlando. We don't have to love him. He might be lame, but I think that interview was really stupid. But he also admits mm. it. I saw a Daily Mail follow up that his whole family's been making fun of him since the interview and I appreciate that. That's an even more reason to like him exactly. and his. Can I be radically at least honest? He has a sense of humor. Yeah. I was at a. I was somewhere once, and he just he happened to be there, and oh my god, he just came up to us, stood there for a moment, kind of waiting for us to look at him, and he was not wearing a shirt, and he just said, <gasps> "I was at the beach," and he said, "Hi, I'm Orlando," and I went, "What?" Hi, and he just went, <laughs> and he didn't say anything else. <laughs> What beach were you What did at? he do? In so LA? what happened? Like, mm-hmm. he just, like, did he get bored in and then Malibu? leave? Or, like, is that he what just, happened? Were you in Malibu and you saw him? Mm-hmm. He just wanted, he just wanted to say hi. And that's just, like, a friendly guy that's like, I'm going to go say hi to these people. Yeah. Hello. It wasn't that thing, like, Bob Hope would do where he'd stand in an elevator and if he wasn't recognized, he'd start singing thanks for the memories <laughs> until someone turned around and went, oh, Bob Hope, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, it didn't feel like that. He just was like, here are my, here are my nice here's tits. My, and I was like, my tits. yeah, yeah. And they were nice. He looked great. And he you was, know what's you know what's underneath these trunks from those naked photos, which he wasn't embarrassed. Um, he was like, did oh, you, they did got me. Did you say me. that? Did, I went... Did you turn around and point out his crotch and go, we've all seen that before. I wanted to go, I wanted to go, I, f- I know the way, the way you're carrying yourself, I know why. <laughs> and I just want to say, I know why you're so confident right now. So, thank you. I know. I know the truth, and I want you to know that I know. You walked, away, walked away backwards. Yeah. My head, t- my head twisted around fully, and my arms inverted and i Great. crab walked away yeah <laughs> into the ocean and that was I the went, complete oh. spell right that's how you finish the spell that's, that's yeah. what happens to every gay person after they embarrass themselves in front of a straight person they twist into a crab and go that's how every 
every gay man exits exits a scene exits any kind of party they crap you mean any any uncomfortable exchange with a straight person okay yeah mostly men yeah but sometimes women too i mean that's just how that's been the case for many years that's just, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Matt, right? who's your dad this week? Um, let me tell you a little story. I feel like you might already know the beginning of it. On Tuesday, the Ever Given, a 220,000-ton, 400-meter-long mega ship, that is, by the way, the length of four football fields, what? became... <laughs> there is a vehicle for the sea that is that big. Became wedged between the two banks of the Suez Canal near its southern end. It was overcome by what the press called strong winds. I think that's something of an understatement. Mm. It ran mm. aground thanks to poor visibility and high winds from a sandstorm that hit northern Egypt this week. We're recording this on Saturday, so some of it's already been free. Like, the ship's rudder has been freed already. But at the centre of this, wow. it's the... Yeah, they... Well, it hasn't been moved yet, but it, it like, the storm... This storm has made it impossible to move the ship, but they have, like, 900 people working on moving it so that its rudder has been freed. Easy. You know who is so cool in this, though? The wind. Mm. The wind is my dad here. Mm. Because the wind it. did this. Or mm. she is blocking. She did that. The wind she did, did this. And this is this gives us a lot of clue. I'm, it's so fascinated by what this tells us about the wind. For a start, she decided, no, one-tenth of the world's oil will just stop here for a mm. little while. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see me, but I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And... It also kind of makes me think, oh, the wind is an environmentalist. We already knew that, like, wind power was a thing. Trump Mm. said wind power will give people cancer. I feel like this is the wind going, no, this is the press that I want. I want (gasps) to hold up the oil. Fuck you. You're out of office now. Oh, I love that. I am getting Mm -hmm. my own narrative out there now. It also kind of reminded me of that scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you know when, like, Judge Doom, Christopher Lloyd, just turns around and goes, remember me, Yeti, when I killed your brother? Like, no one's thinking about the wind. But (laughs) all of a sudden, she pops up and she goes, remember me? I'm going to ruin your lives. That's what happened. Um, Wow. But the... She bought the rights. But the wind is not the wind is not out to kill in this instance. That's the thing. The wind is just like just a reminder. No one got hurt. No one got hurt by this. Just some oil got stuck. Mm-hmm. It didn't go into the water. That's the kind of thing I can get behind. Do you know what I mean? Carrie, you brought up a point about this earlier on. You were just like dying to hear when Countess Luann, like when's she gonna chime in on this? What do you think her her actual response to this will be? I I, I tweeted that for anyone who doesn't know. The De La Seps family built the Suez Canal, and that's why and that's why her husband became a. That's why there is countish countship in his family because they bestowed them. Um, I would like to know what she thinks and if she. Yeah, like how is she right now? She would say something like she probably probably make try to make a little pun out of it or something. She'd be like, you know, sometimes when you're in a bind, you just have to. Tw- you're like some kind of like. Well, all she has to do is. Come to my cabaret show and she'll get it looser. <laughs> yeah. I just want her to I want her to release like an official statement. Yeah. Just be like the Deliceps family is, is monitoring. Yeah, with the crest at the top of it. I just feel like wind doesn't hasn't been get I just don't think about it very much. And this made me go, yeah, I really appreciate 
her for this. I appreciate the wind for this moment. Um, and Matt, you're totally right that it gets it gets very like everyone's like rain, snow. Mm-hmm. Wind is wind does the most damage. Because you can't even see it. You can't see it. Yeah, but still, it managed to get this. 220,000 ton vehicle to disrupt everything in the universe for well, the world for well, the economy I guess because oil stocks plundered but I appreciate the wind yeah um, so mine I guess is a little more personal but my dad this week is mm. like you Biz I had kind of a complicated journey to get to this point mm-hmm. so there i go to a starbucks every morning on sunset in la brea in hollywood and it's in a strip mall and um during covid i went every day i always noticed there there was a, a russian dentist office and every day during covid i would see the dentist standing outside without a mask on walking in without a mask on smoking cigarettes just kind of like raw dogging it and i i was like always flustered and kind of like safe and i you know i was i would never like report him or anything but i was always just like god like Mm -hmm. he's endangering his patients like blah blah and then one day i was just in a bad mood and i saw him with a bunch of with two other people not wearing masks talking really close and i said you're a dentist put your mask on and he went fuck you (laughs) like immediately and we got and i was like i was like you're endangering people you're a dentist (laughs) and then he was like go fuck yourself which like He's right. And, like, I need to shut... It's none of my business. But, I don't know, something changed in the last two weeks I've seen him, and there's something... I feel like a shift, and I was like, wow, we kind of have a father-son relationship. Where, like, now I see him that he's... Goes there every day, he's just working, he's doing his job, he's helping people. He's done something right, because he's still here. He's a little older. He's, like, probably in his 60s. He smokes, and he's a dentist. Yeah. And there's something about his face that that i see soulfulness and kindness and now i i feel like i have like an understanding even though i've never talked about other than he's you know like he's on he's probably stressed mm-hmm. probably affected his business and he's helping people and he's probably afraid of and so like if he needs to steam some cigs some marble reds yeah and i just felt like we had a ch- full mm-hmm. circle trajectory of like me being like rebellious you know kind of like sticking it to my dad being like Fuck right. you, dentist. <laughs> and him being like, fuck you, you you need to respect me. And I was like, no, dad, you need to respect me. You know, and like having, what was I really fighting? You know what I mean? Ooh. Yeah. Now I'm like, now, and now when I see him, I'm like. Do you guys do a nod? Do you, yeah, do you no, have a nod? We just have, no, I just, I just leave him be. A mutual okay. understanding and respect. Just like a mutual I see you every day. You see me every day. I witness you witness each other, and and I leave, and it's cool. Yeah. Like I, I was like, wear your mask. Also, Dad, I'm gay. You yeah. Know, like, right. He yeah. was just like. <laughs> well, also, I have to say, Carrie, yeah. the part of the stipulation for when we play, when we decide who our dads are, is that they have to have big boss energy, and there's nothing more big boss energy than a dentist who smokes. That's pretty badass. Hell yeah. My dad told me that his dentist growing up, he smoked cigarettes while he was, <laughs> he'd have like a cig in his mouth while he was like in my dad's mouth. Oh, perfect. Well, um, you guys, we made it. 
We're off to shit on Rush Limbaugh's grave. We're, we're um, off. Thank you, Carrie, I'm, so much. That thanks, was so guys. fun. Thank that you so, so much great. for coming on. E. Cariel on Twitter and on Instagram. So, so funny. He makes the funniest videos. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Love and light. Love and light. Tell me about your father and daddy. Issues are produced by Aaron Hosier, Elizabeth Thompson, and Matthew Philp. Follow us at Tell Me About Your Father on social. And listen oh. to Carrie's podcast, Sexy Unique Podcast, all about real housewives.